Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you'll find several speaker feeds with over 400 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jen. Hi, my name's Jen. I'm a compulsive reader and bulimic. Hi, What a surprise. Um, I was not planning to speak tonight, and I am off the heels of a week of being with my parents. So I have plenty to talk about, and um, give me a little bit of a free pass for whatever may come out. Um, I'm so incredibly grateful to these rooms, to this program. It saved my life. It changed my life. It's the fabric of my life today. And it's really been humbling for me to be with my my parents this whole week and to really see, like, where the craziness began and how it began and not have any anger towards them about the beginning. Not that it's easy for me to be with them. That's different. Um, and I'll work on that forever. But I have incredible gratitude for my beginnings. Um, I grew up in a super loving alcoholic home and it was loving and really dysfunctional and there was lots of dynamics that I didn't know were not normal. I, they were just the way that it was, you know, for our, in my family, um, Christmas Eve ended at 4 a.m. when people passed out and I did not know that that was not normal. And I found food to be a really awesome companion because there was amazing, you know, holiday desserts and things like that. Um, And that was just, that was sort of the dynamic in my family. There was lots of alcoholism, lots of drug use, and I found food very, very early on. I also got body issues very early on. Um, I don't know why. My family is obsessed. My family is obsessed with the outside, really obsessed, but obsessed with thin. You know, there was a lot of what I now, like, I would never allow these words in my home today. Like, we don't use the word skinny. We don't use the word fat. Like, that is, you can drop F-bombs all you want in my house, but you may not, you may not use the fat word. You may not use the skinny word. You know, um, it's the only thing I'll actually, like, stop people from doing in my house my kids and you know my parents did a lot of that and I got um, attention early in my life like I remember people saying when I was a young kid like oh she's a nice figure and my brother was gorgeous and I heard those things and I was like okay I have a nice figure like oh my god I gotta like hold on to this no matter what like this is what makes me okay this is my value and I also had an insatiable appetite like they're just wasn't enough food for me ever in any situation um and I was a small kid and as a kid I got I got away with that for years and years I could eat crazy amounts of food and they would say I had a tapeworm and it wasn't until later in my life that it started actually showing up in places I didn't want it to but as a little kid I could go to birthday parties and all the other kids would leave the Sunday room and go next door and play and I would clean up around everybody else and I would you know I couldn't get 
enough. I couldn't get enough, and I learned very early on that I needed to be thin, and I needed to keep it looking good on the outside. And that was a motto for my life, like what it looks like on the outside, and you cannot, like you have to be thin. Um, and so, as you know, and it's really one thing that's just like very current is my mom who I have a very active addict brother who's just who's basically spent the 20 past 20 years in active addiction it's really heartbreaking um but my mom has sort of recreated the dynamic she had with me and my brother with her dogs super weird um, and so she also just we've asked her not to bring the dogs by the way to our home and she continues to bring them um so they're here this week, and she has the boy dog who is, like, evolved. I mean, she treats his dog like he's a human. She cooks him steak. Um, they, they cook him whatever he wants because he won't eat otherwise, and he's just so special. And I'm like, I wouldn't either if I were him. Like, if he knows the steak's coming, why would he eat the dog food? And so she – and she's just like, he's so this and he's so that and he's so special. And this girl dog – who she calls fat ten times a day until I finally, like, I had to say, like, Mom, you, you can't talk. We don't use those words in my house. And this dog, by the way, is perfectly normal, a perfectly normal. She's on a diet. She needs to lose weight. She's so unhealthy. She's just, you know, she's not as evolved. She's kind of simple. Um, it's, you guys, it's so freaking crazy. And, and so, like, I came, we came home today, and... She'll, she walks in the door, and I accidentally stepped on the girl dog, her name's Sophie, her, her little foot, and she squealed, and my mom was like, Sophie, did you step on Ozzy's foot? And I was like, or did you bite him? Like, she jumped to this conclusion that the Sophie had, like, hurt the precious boy, and I was like, Mom, I stepped on her toe. Oh, well, you, you know, she is just so jealous, and she's so, like, you know, and I thought, oh, my God, like, the way I grew up, like, is the way I thought I grew up is the way I grew up. Like, you know, I would have situations happen where my brother once, like, hit me on the head, you know, the ordinary, I don't know, for those of you who aren't like too young to have had a rotary phone but like the big heavy phone handle my brother clocked me on the head with one and I I screamed it was like a loud like I I started crying my mom screamed at me and I was like I I I got in trouble somehow it was so confusing as a kid I was like okay somehow that you know I did something wrong I'm not sure what um, but that was a lot of how, you know, I grew up and she did the best that she could. And she grew up, I, I guarantee you with the same sort of stuff, but it really messed with my head. And I was never enough. Like I was just never going to be enough. And I tried and tried and tried. Like I spent my whole youth like achieving, like school became a huge escape for me. I am going to show these people I'm worth something. Like, you know, I really, really focused myself in school any any way I could sort of excel and perform um that was you know a big a big fabric for me and then when I got to high school was when it's it just the beginning started to change like I my metabolism started to change a little bit and you know the giant cookies that I would like to sneak during you know the day might have an impact like they, they might start to show up and 
my brother even, like, towards the end of high school, he started his, his addiction started to become really clear. And the food just got, like, I, it, I don't think I really did anything differently. It just started to become apparent on my body when I would, when I would do it. And that's when I started really experimenting with, experimenting with dieting. And I would, like, starve myself for a few weeks. I, by the way, am a very well-rounded compulsive overeater. I have done everything from I, – I, I've starved myself. I've just straight overeaten. I, the, I excelled the most at bulimia. Um, I overexercised. I would, like, run, you know, 12 miles to try to – you know, I just – I did – Everything I went on every person's diet I ever met, and I was super good at it for like three weeks. And um, so, but it was really sort of that high school, college period that I really stepped into high gear, and I learned it, and I saw it, and I was like, okay, well, I can, you know, I can, I can do this. Um, and so, high school, like I, I, start, I started messing around. College, I really started messing around. And it would come and go. Like, I would sometimes fill the hole with, with uh, love for a minute. That would work. A guy would help me. Or I would get distracted by something, and I would think, okay, like, I'm past that, you know. And then it would come back just, like, way, way, way worse. Um, and so I, I kept on with my school thing. I, I did a lot of... Um, isolating and I I kept things looking good on the outside that was like at all costs I was going to keep things looking good on the outside and I went abroad during college and that was the first time I think I really like visibly gained weight and looking back on the pictures it wasn't anywhere near the way it felt but my parents came to visit and they were horrified and they talked about it the entire time they were there like oh my gosh your butt your legs like your you know and it was really crazy and I was like oh my god like so I literally like stopped eating and went to high gear you know uh um bulimia to to deal with that before I came home and um so I came back I went on to, to, to graduate school, and I thought when I got to graduate school, I was like, okay, like, I'm all about work. I'm all about performance. Like, I, I'm nipping this in the bud. And for the period of time I was in school, I sort of ha- had it under control. And then it came back, and it came back really scary, scary. Um, so my first few years um, of work and, like, you know, my first five years of work, it just was, like, re- was really progressive. And what was funny is my life looked so perfect on the outside. Like, everybody thought, and I, I was my deep secret. Like, I really, you know, people knew I fluctuated from, like, my sizes changed a lot. But but people, nobody ever said anything to me. Um, and when I got, when I was, I was, 30 years old, I got this big job. It was like a big deal. It was like the, I, you know, I, I had this plan, like if I get all these things in my life, I'll be okay. And once I get all these things, I'm going to be okay. And I got all those things, and I was like the most sad, lonely person I knew. And I was in a really messed up relationship, and um, I, had, I had stuff, and I was so empty on the inside. And I got this big job, and people took me out for these celebratory dinners. And 
I actually, we had a, a work dinner this week and was at one of these restaurants. And I, you know, would go out to the restaurant and I would start to be like, okay, I'm going to have like whatever this not enough food was, by the way. Like my idea of what a normal amount of food was not enough. Um, so I would, I would hit this point in the dinner and I would sort of participate and then I would like take one bite too many and I'd be like, okay, I got to get out of here and I got to get somewhere else. And you know, that was like, I, I remember I lived in the marina and I would like divide the stores. Like I couldn't hit the same store every night. And I was, I, I mean, the people must've like laughed at me. I would buy all this crap and I would get on the phone and be like, yeah, I'm bringing it. I picked everything up. I'm on my way. Like, cause I had to pretend for the cashier because they really cared. You know, it was like, even in my disease, like at the worst of it I was I had to keep up appearances like wow do I need it to look good and um yeah it was a really dark lonely place it was supposed to be this like arrival and I would walk into work and I remember like getting coffee and feeling just like gutted it was so hard to get up I felt you know I I would I, I, I could feel my heart like pound and I thought all these people like think I'm normal. They they think I'm normal. They have no idea what I do, and that was um, the, definitely the dark. You know, they say how, how dark it is before the dawn. I was like living a complete lie. I was living a complete lie. I was miserable, and I had to pretend like I was doing great. And I was in a super messed up relationship that was just how he did not know say anything like. I think he liked the results of the really bad eating disorder. And so I ended up going on a yoga retreat, and the two people who led it, um, one of them was sober, 22 years. The other one was sober and is now my husband. Um, it didn't happen right then, don't worry. But um, <laughs> I, I went on this retreat, and they talked about being sober. And at the time, I was like, oh, hey, you know, I never told anybody about my struggles. But I was like, my brother, my brother, like, really needs, you know, like, he had had multiple um, DUIs. He, he'd been in rehab. You know, I was like, he'd OD'd. I was like, how did you get sober? You know, I was interviewing them. And they're like, you need to go to Al-Anon. And I was like, well, they helped me how to get sober. And I'm like, because um, I'm totally into it. So I went to Al-Anon, and then this woman took me out to eat. She's like, I think you might belong in another program as well. I was like, what? And she called me on it. She was the first person in my life to have ever said. And I, was, it, I, I felt seen in this way. And I was like, okay. Okay, and I had done things to try to, like, we had an intervention for my brother maybe a year and a half before, and we were all, as part of this intervention, supposed to, like, say what we were willing to do as part of, like, to participate in his recovery. And except for the fact that I missed most of the intervention because I was, like, trying to figure out how many of the cookies I could eat without people noticing, and at one point, you know, before I realized that nobody else ate a cookie. Nobody else ate anything during the entire time except for me. It was, like, one of the worst, bit like, weekends of my life. But in, in terms of, like, bulimia, I was, it was crazy. I just couldn't. I couldn't be there for it. I couldn't. But I said, I'm willing to... And I'll, I said, I'll look at my issues with food. And 
there was like nothing. I mean, I don't know why if I thought like my family obviously grew up with me my whole life. If they were going to say something, they would have. But nothing really came of it. They're like, oh, yeah, that was funny. And he says that. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we just won't. And even some I've, I've kind of talked about it. And they're both like, okay, uh-huh. They don't want to talk about it. Um, so anyway, I, I got into OA. And I was, I will, I'm so grateful. I was so desperate. I was so desperate. I was, like, ready to be done with life. I was 30 years old. And I was ready to be done. I had no hope. I, I had no light. I just only knew how to make you happy, and I only knew how to make things look good on the outside. I was, I was um, really sad and broken on the inside. Um, oh my gosh, this is so really long. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, I came in, and I was desperate, and I got a sponsor right away, and she was hardcore, thank God. Um, I'm so grateful for that. Like, for having a hardcore sponsor because that was that was what I I needed and for me what's worked since I've been in the rooms um and I started working the steps and I called her and I told her the truth every single day and it was the most incredible thing I'd ever experienced and I at first when I came in the first few months like I still like did a lot of really controlled eating but I stopped throwing up it was awesome was like I was I don't know what happened I will never understand I could never explain to you like why I stopped throwing up I I cannot you know I've had sometimes people in the program you know could you just talk I'm like I can't tell you other than I I went to this place and they did what they said and it happened for me but I stopped I stopped throwing up and uh, I had very controlled eating for the first maybe five months I was in, and then I, I heard someone share about how she came into program and she used it to restrict. I was like, crap, that's what I'm doing. And at that point, I started really letting food in, and I am, I had controlled my food my entire life. Like, I had rules about what I eat. I made up so many excuses about why I couldn't eat things and what I, you know, I, I had... I'd not let a lot of foods in in my life and I had a lot of rules and I needed to let food in like it wasn't I needed to let it all in you know including hamburgers include you know I needed to let it all in um and so I did and I had three big meals every day and didn't throw up and I was super uncomfortable because the weight came on and I would call my sponsor every day and be like, I'm so fat, I'm so fat, I'm so fat. I keep, like, going. She's like, go buy some new clothes. Go buy some new clothes. And I, w- I was just like, when will it stop? She's like, w- you know, it's not. I had to, when we talk about willing to go to any lengths, for me, willing to go to any lengths was willing to gain weight. I was willing to gain weight. That's what it had to look like for me. And I did. And I was uncomfortable. And in that uncomfortable unacceptable in my mind body that's when I started dating my husband Mm -hmm. and he found my unacceptable self the opposite you know and um that I'm really grateful for because I my whole life was like in order to be loved I have to look this way I have to be in this body and it turns out it's not true and um 
that that's one of the biggest gifts of my life and, and this program was to like have this great love in my biggest body of my life and um I you know I, I just kept doing the deal I worked the steps I got to the ninth step and a bunch, I don't know what happened again I don't know what happened I got to the ninth step my life got really big and by the way in the meantime like I had lost everything like I lost my job I lost like all of the, the strappings of my the things I had acquired my home like it was all gone I lost it all. It was the best time of my life. I felt so free. I was like bartering and exchanging. I, I, I really, it was amazing. And I was in my biggest spot. Like all the things, my, my family was freaking out. They were like, oh, like, you know, and also job. Like that's a prestige, like the big thing in my family. Like you don't walk away from a job. And I walked away from everything or got asked to walk away from it. And um, so I, you know, in my ninth step, and because I was flexibly working or not working, we took this like two-month trip to South America and I don't know what it was. I think it was the combination of being in my ninth step and being in my life and being in a place where there was all these beautiful women that didn't have the, like, L.A. 101, like, unhealthy, you know, look. And I was like, these women are beautiful. Like, I've had this idea in my mind of what attractive is, and it's really unhealthy and sick. And I I don't know what happened, but the food started to fall away. And... um, it, it started to fall away. That was a really scary time for me when I was starting to let go of the extra weight plus I wasn't in my disease. That's when I realized I struggled with anxiety. And I am an anxious chick. I am just an anxious chick. My head is like, it's, it's nonstop. And the food calmed my nerves. It calmed my nerves. And so did the bulimia. Like, there is no calm that you, like, after binging and purging. Like, I'm sorry for those of you who haven't experienced that and don't know what I'm talking about. But it's true, you know. And that's just my, that's my, that's part of my story. Um, And so when I gave up the food and I wasn't in the bulimia, I had anxiety. And I still have anxiety. And I, it's a daily reprieve for me. Um, yoga has been a huge part of my, like, exercise, prayer, meditation, um, you know, fellows, not being alone. All these things have been part of it. But that's something that was, like, I, the food was a tool for me. It was always a tool. It just got to the point where I didn't. I didn't need it, and it was really harming me. And and when I came in, I was scared. I was like, I'm never going to be able to have kids. Like, I've done so much damage to my body. I knew, you know, I, 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 I didn't know what w- would happen. And I used to think about, like, I couldn't imagine a time where I could eat. And, like, I was either restricting or I was overeating. I was never, like, just eating. And I couldn't imagine, like, how, how I could do pregnancy and how I could, you know, not abuse my body anymore. And really the desperation I came in with saved my life. And within, you know, by I would say by the time I was like a year and a half in, I was like in a healthy body and managing, you know, the wreckage of the past. 
and trying to figure out what my life would be like. And I just turned 10 in September, and I can't believe it's been 10 years, and I will be here, you know, until I'm no longer with us. And it's just the only way I know how to do life. And I had, I did have a hard time during pregnancy, was not super cool with that. Um, part of the problem was I had a doctor during my first pregnancy and the way my body did pregnancy was I gained all my weight in the beginning. So like first trimester, I was like, wow. And this woman, as it turned out, that was just the way my body did it. And I didn't gain much in the end of the pregnancy, but she's like, you know, I'd like to ask you to keep a food journal because I think you might not be aware of what you're eating. I was like, listen, (laughs) if there's anything I'm aware of, it's what I'm eating. Um, So I obviously had to switch doctors. Um, And I went to the midwives, who were these midwives that you saw, who were like, you're fine, it's fine, you're all good. But it was hard for me. That was hard for me. Like, again, like the commentary on my body and my weight, I... Can, it's like, uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Um, so I had two, I have two beautiful children who are you know, almost five and almost seven and who are growing up, you know, without skinny and fat in their house. And, um, you know, I'm so freaking grateful because I could have, I would have, you know, had I even gotten married and had kids, which is highly unlikely given where I was going. In fact, I think that's even unrealistic to act like it it would have happened, but um, I would not be the mom that I am today, Um, and I wouldn't be prioritizing their hearts and their health over, you know, their achievement and what it looks like. Like, my son's in first grade, and I really could care less about his performance. What I could care, what I care about is how he feels in his body, and you know, I spent the first 30 years of my life wanting to be outside of my body. And um, today, most days, I feel pretty good in my skin. And the other the other thing that, that has really just been lifted for me, 99% of the time, food is food. And it's not more than that to me. Um, I do have experience having, you know, if I don't work this program rigorously, that is not the way it is. So um, it's not like I passed it, I left it in the past, but if I rigorously work this program, most of the time the food doesn't call to me. It just doesn't work anymore. It really doesn't work. The thing that will happen to me is I'll be like, my head will just start with this, like, I think you're fat. I think you're a little bit fat. You've definitely gained weight. Those pants are tighter. Um, It just, it's like that's the voice where I'm like, all right, I got to, like, step it up. And I know something else is going on. Like, something else is going on. And, um, you know, that usually happens right before my mom comes to town. (laughs) And it did. It happened right before. And I couldn't figure it out. And then I had a fellow who was like, is your mom coming to town? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, So, you know, the other thing that's like a big part of my, my story, I think, with food was I had a lot of, um, digestive stuff as a kid, just tummy aches, food allergies, stuff like that. And I think it helped my disease along because when I would feel bad, I'd be like, screw it. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Um, and so I think it's, 
it's, you know, today my food is limited in the sun, not, not by virtue of abstinence. Like I have no rules of abstinence other than I don't throw up and I don't binge and I generally eat three meals a day. Snacks are just not good for me. Like I, like when I was pregnant, I had snacks, but for the most part, I'm better with long stretches. It's like works better for my body and my head. Um, So I have three meals. I have no rules, but because of my digestive stuff over the years, I've like actually been able to pay attention to my body and what works in it and what doesn't. And there's a lot of like, for me, gluten bread is not good on my body and sugar is not good in my body and dairy is not good in my body. So I, I can't have rules about those things because that will create a problem. But for the most part on a daily basis, I choose not to have them. And that's something I had to be careful with because I, um, you know, my story was a lot of, like, you know, diet restriction story. So I got to be careful to – I can't adopt things uh, religiously. I just – I don't have that luxury, the luxury of normal men, you know. And my husband will, like, want to go on fasts or go on things, and I'm just like, those aren't for me. Those are not for me. I don't cleanse. I don't fast. I don't I, – I eat meals every day thank god and thank you know to this program the other you know and then I, I think the big thing for me um right now is really trying to build meditation into my life in a sustainable way for my life so before I had kids I had like an beautiful hour-long morning routine um, where I prayed and I meditated and I wrote. It was fantastic. Um, And then I had kids and it's really been tough for me. You know, and um, I I actually shared this the other day in a meeting. I have taken to, like, sometimes, like, I'll lay in bed and cuddle with my little girl and that, like, I'll say the third step prayer really slowly over and over again and that will be my meditation for the day but again because of how high I run I really need it like I really really need uh, meditation and that's a big part of you know what I hope continues to to flourish but I also I'm such a freaking perfectionist that I have to be okay with it being like imperfect and for today it's imperfect I don't sit cross-legged in a garden with like the breeze and I just don't um but I connect with God and it's like thank you it's my you know I I didn't grow up with like a faith and my faith is I'm so grateful for it um I know today that I'm going to be okay, and my kids are going to be okay. My husband's going to be okay. I mean, I don't know that they're going to be okay, but I know there's not a dang thing I can do about it. And, um, you know, I can breathe today, and I can show up, and I can listen in a conversation. I can actually hear you. I can be present. I can care about someone outside of myself. Um, my whole life was spent worrying about my body and my food. I did not have time to think about you. And um, that would not have worked with motherhood at all. Um, So, yeah, I'm really, really grateful um, to everybody in this room, to everybody online. Like, I just thank God this program exists.
and that I was able and willing to hear. And the thing I always say to people, like, if you're really struggling, is to pray for willingness. Just pray for willingness. Like, it doesn't come at the same time for all of us. It comes at different times. Sometimes it leaves. But really to pray for it because that willingness saved my life. It saved my life. So thank you. Any questions? Hi, I had a question about um, just like, do you ever like, when you, like your first like few years or whatever? Did you ever um, get triggered by like, binge foods? Like, because you said you did three meals a day, but like I run into it like work, like do the vending machine, or like there's all this stuff. And since you're not doing like, the rules, restrictive thing, like did you ever? So the question is, did I get triggered by binge foods, particularly because I didn't have rules, like things like, you know, vending machines and whatnot? It's a good question. Um, I used to not be able to walk through the certain aisles of the grocery store. Like, there were certain things that I went to. Like, I just couldn't – I couldn't walk through those aisles. And even now, because those are the aisles my kids will run to, I'm like – I just feel, like, honestly nauseous and sick to my stomach. Um, but, yes, I definitely did. And, you know, I'll give you one example. I worked at a place where they had this endless supply of jelly beans. And I was like, jelly beans are pretty, like, harmless especially if you just have a few. And I would start that, and I'm a creature of habit. Like, I do something one day, I do it every day. I do it over and over and over and over again. And I, so I started having a little bit, a little cup of, it was like, you know, a little bit of jelly beans after, in the afternoon when I needed to pick me up. And the jelly beans got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I wasn't binging on them, but they made me feel really bad, really bad. And I would talk to my sponsor. She's like, you know, you'll 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 get tired of it. I was like, I'll get tired of it? No, I don't think I will. She's like, you know, you'll get tired of the jelly beans. And I did. I got to the point where I was like, I don't feel good. I don't want to do this. So just for today, I'm not going to have the jelly beans. And I didn't have the jelly beans that day and the next day and the next day. And I felt so much freaking better. I didn't even want to see the jelly beans. So it's been imperfect for me. And there are times at, like, at work, for example, where everybody knows, like, about what I do and don't eat. And we have a super thoughtful, considerate person who orders desserts. And so she'll almost always get, like, some gluten, dairy-free dessert. And... I used to be like, okay, well, I have to have it because she, like, did all this stuff. And there's other people, but I was like, I obviously have to have it. And the truth is sometimes it's okay for me and sometimes it's not. And most times it does help, does not help me. It just doesn't. Like, I don't know. I don't know what something about the frosting. It's just not good for me. I could. There's, like, one is, you know, uh, one is too many and a thousand is not enough. Like, I just... So most of the time I don't, but if I'm in a super good place and I'm not like I, I can have one, you know. So there, it's flat, it's not rule based, but for the most part I just choose not to. But I again, yes, I I I did. I don't get triggered about it today. I just have to make a decision. And my general rule of thumb is if 
I think about it for more, you know, than like one or two thoughts, like it's not for me because that's the way my brain. Like, if I should I have it? If I have, well, it's really not that big. And then I'm, what time am I going to eat dinner? And like, I start that ca- like human calculator thing. I can't, I can't do that. So I generally find it easier to just not, but I, it's been a ebb and flow. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, how has your relationship with your mother changed as a result of working my program? Good question. How has my relationship changed with my mother as a result of working my program? Um, so when I first, w- within the first four, like, first of all, my mom was devastated when I got into program because I quit calling her constantly. <laughs> and I, like, she was the type of mom, like, she, you know, I just quit. I realized, like, that wasn't a good, healthy place for me to go. And I quit being as connected, and I quit, like, needing her in the same way, and she really struggled a lot. And then I got married, and I had kids, and so within the first few years, by the time I had my son, she was really somewhat out of her mind. And she got, like, the day after I'd had my son, she called me to tell me how hurt she was that I didn't invite her to the hospital. And, by the way, I called her when my water broke and I went to labor. I called her. I was like, hey, we're going to the hospital. She's like, okay, we'll start heading. I was like, did you expect, like, me to type up an invitation at that point? Like, I was in labor, you know. And, um, but, like, 45 minutes, I, a day after I'd had my, my husband was like, this is not okay. Like, you just had a kid. I mean, this is crazy. And it was all about her. So I just had to have this period of time. I was like, Mom, I love you, and I really need to, to not talk right now. That was super painful. That was so, so painful. But it was better than, like, the current situation, the, the situation as it was. So then I can't even remember that whole, like, first year of having a baby. is like, sort of a fog. But at some point... You know, she came back, and she had this whole long thing about she discovered something that happened to her as a kid, and she was having a reaction to that, and that's why she had been so crazy. There's lots of storytelling in my family, and it's always something very dramatic. Um, And you never really know if it's true or not. So um, it's just the the way it goes. So we had this conversation. I was like, I love you, and... um, I don't really want to go in depth talking about whatever this was, but anyway, she started to come, you know, back into my life, and over the years, it's got better and better and better. I made amends to her a couple of times, and I had a lot to make amends for. Like, I judged her a lot. I, you know, I held her to a very high standard, and I engaged with her. Like, I was created so much of the problem. Um, so I have a really different relationship with her. Like, I think she would love for us to sit and like, my mom likes to tell horror stories. Like she, you know, I came home and she told my kids about some kid who'd been abducted and another kid who'd been molested and there was an explosion where there were, I mean, I was like, mom, you don't tell these stories to kids. But this is where a lot of my anxiety came from. Like I heard horror stories my whole life. And so I, I just don't have anger at her anymore like I love her and I know she does the best that she can and she gave me a lot of really good stuff like she she loved me um she supported me she encouraged me she did a lot of really good stuff and I try to take that part and I also have to do boundary setting like my mom doesn't know where like 
she doesn't know what's normal or not. She just doesn't. I mean, I asked her specifically not to bring her dogs to my house. One had bit my daughter. I was like, I just don't feel comfortable. So she shows up at my door with the dogs. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, it is, that's, so I have to set boundaries, but, um, it doesn't have to be a big deal. Like I could say, you know, mom, we don't, we don't do that. You know, we don't do it in our house like that. We don't compare my kids' bodies. Like, she's like, oh, Leo's so skinny, and Emmy's kind of chunky. And I'm like, we don't talk about their bodies like that. It's not okay. And But I don't, and she'll be like, oh, we actually have normal conversations and and set boundaries. And um, I can't talk to her all the time, but I talk to her a few times a week, and I try to keep it light and polite because I can't, like, dive in. So I have a great relationship with her today. For the most part. You know, I've done no damage this week, thank God. <laughs> it may have been hard to be around from other people's perspective, but I haven't done anything damaging in that relationship, and that's a miracle. So.